And here we are. Another Screen Heat Miami. I'm your host, JL Martinez with. This is Kevin Sharpley. And we are the one, the only Screen Heat Miami. Yes, we're going to hit our sponsors first. Kajik Multimedia. The Miami Media and Film Market. Chemical. Cinevision. Yes. Yes. In the house. But before we jump into the interviews, Miami Media and Film Market is coming back. Yes, sir. September 20th to the 22nd. We are we are rocking and rolling. Registrations are now live. MiamiMediaAndFilmMarket.org. Uh, we have a special rate until July first. The early bird. Make sure you get in to see some incredible speakers, more private networking events, one-on-one meetings, pitch sessions, special luncheon in September at the old Biltmore Hotel. Yes. So we're excited about that, and you'll hear more about that. Some of the biggest in the industry from around the world. Yes, sir. So, and Screen Heat Miami will be on the ground doing mm-hmm. interviews. Oh, yeah. We may even go live at some point. We'll see. But uh, it is going Don't to be all the way him. live. Don't tease them like that, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to give a tease. Sometimes you got to give a tease. But speaking of teases, let's no longer tease our very special guest today, right? She's Katie fantastic. Williams. What an artist, a cinematographer, Katie Williams, our first female DP. Amazing that we've interviewed. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we love Katie. Her work is phenomenal. She works in many different sectors. She's done everything from narrative features to shorts to music videos to docu-series to documentaries. I mean, she does it all. So we're super excited to have her. One Really, really big thing is that Katie is five foot tall. So that's that's something, you know, whatever height you are, um, whatever stature you are, you can still do it. I mean, when I saw a photograph of her with a red camera set up, Steadicam set up. I mean, I was like, this is crazy. We have to dive into this interview. So it's going to be an incredible interview about her career, how she got into the biz, what mm-hmm. she's doing, what she's done, what she's doing now. She works a lot with cars. I mean, yes. And we're know. not talking about the Disney version. We're talking about real muscle cars. That's live right. in the nothing wrong with the Disney version. One of my favorite Pixar movies, of course, is Cars. Yeah. But um, but yes, she was she is she's a rip roaring good time, pardon the pun. So she is a boss. Yes, so she's a super boss. We'll 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 post a picture on the website so you could see her in action, but you know it's a still photo. You can mm-hmm. see how how she does it. But we did talk about bosses. We did. The boss is back. But did he ever leave? He never leaves. <laughs> You're right. He's always he's always in our hearts and souls. But Bruce Springsteen is back yes. on Broadway doing live shows. It was one of the most applauded, critically acclaimed, and attended shows in Broadway history. Mm-hmm. So it is back. Um, it still is adhering to some COVID protocols. 
So, right. you know, that ticket is probably even pricier now and harder to get now than it was before uh, the pandemic hit us. But oh, absolutely. You can go out and see them in person now. So. Yeah, yeah, you can. And it's the St. James Theater. And there's something about Broadway reopening the Great White Way. It's like, you know, the entertainment industry, as you know, it's a global industry. And it's everything from theater to film, television, digital media, even car commercials. But it's really like, I feel like we all beat with a similar pulse. And when you feel the energy back in New York, Broadway, capacity, the boss rocking out, it feels like show business is back, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And you can really feel it. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about the box office after the jump, but it feels like the industry is cranking. Definitely. You know, my company, we've been doing a lot more. Other companies have been doing a lot more. There's more production happening. So this is really exciting in many sectors of the industry. And we're going to talk about many sectors. We already talked about theater. We're going to talk about movies a film that I really enjoyed in the Heights is still struggling. It started off as a theater production mm. and the theater production was a bonanza. I mean, the theater production did really well. Yeah. Tony uh, nominations, the whole deal. Yeah. They were, they were in good shape, but apparently whatever reason it just didn't translate to the big screen. Now I'm going to say, and I said this at our last um, screen heat Miami, that musical films oftentimes have a bit of a ways to go when they first open. So we're hoping that In the Heights has legs and we're hoping that, you know, people really find find that film. We have one of our own uh, people hailing from South Florida as one of the leads there. Oh, so yes. we're plugging for you In the Heights that you get yeah, to the, the heights that, that you deserve. Absolutely. There Absolutely. Is, there is a a height that has been obtained though, $75 million, $75 million. Yes. From the Brute, digital a French company uh, has raised this money to do digital content and uh, from various investors, including James Murdoch, uh, who has invested quite a bit of money into this company via Lupa Systems. And so essentially what they do is they make a lot of what they call socially conscious news and entertainment videos for Gen Z and millennials. So I'm thinking what along the lines of like Vice or uh, some of those other outlets that tend to cater to, to the younger set on digital media, they're looking to make a play for that internationally uh, and in expanding into some pretty interesting markets, um, which uh, include places like uh, Latin America, Africa, and, and of course, parts of Europe, including Germany and the UK. So very interesting moves being made on the digital front uh, from our friends across the pond. Yeah. And if you don't know who James Murdoch is, he's the son of Rupert Murdoch yes. of Fox fame so far right or i guess news corp now since fox is now a disney is now a disney brand yeah i mean i was just referring to more you know their kind of you know iterations so this is when you talk about socially conscious content something that's unique and different than what that imprint uh felt like so you know we'll see what happens with that Yes. But certainly, like I said, production is back. You know, people are really moving a lot more content. And 
you know, that foray into the digital world, which was, of course, huge over the pandemic is continuing. And we're going to talk about one of the biggest hits that came from the digital side, more or less during the whole, you know, pandemic phase, the bigger part of the pandemic phase versus. But before we get to that, that's going to be after the jump. We want to get to Katie Williams. We're super excited about this one. And it was an incredible interview, in-depth interview with Katie Williams. So here we go. No camera, as Katie would say, right? (laughs) Well, we're on. Yeah. We're on now. We're on. We rolled camera. Camera's been rolling. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're rolling camera on this one. I I didn't realize it, but we have, but we do have a, we have a DP cinematographer with us this time. So we should be rolling and maybe we will roll some of this as, (laughs) as we um, roll things out on the website for this one. We have Katie Williams. There you go. Cinematographer. Me. Hey, Katie, we are excited to have you. Um, What we focus on on Screen Heat Miami is the story of the person. We do love, you know, that they actually do things. (laughs) We want to kind of start with the evolution um, of the person. So I I can just give a little background for our listeners. Um, Somehow Katie came up on my Facebook feed, this really badass picture of a woman with a red camera rig set up, almost like a steady cam camera <laughs> set up. And I was like, how, t- how tall are you, Katie? Um, I am exactly five foot even. Five foot even. How much do you weigh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the camera? Um, no, that... how much do you weigh? I know how oh, much the camera I the camera? am like 98 pounds. 98 pounds. Wow. And she had this camera steady cam set up with this mask and this vest. And I was like, that's my new superhero. <laughs> Katie is my spirit animal. We have to interview her for Screen Heat Miami. So I like here that. we are. Oh, of course, I had to go through her feed and, you know, see if she was legit and not fake. Yeah, I'll check the legit ones before. Just like, yes. are you a camera poser, you know? <laughs> Kevin is our official, uh, yeah, yeah, entertainment scout. So, yeah, he always <laughs> does the vetting for us. There you okay, go. Okay, I like that. So, so you, um, were, you were fully vetted, Katie. Welcome to the show officially yay. again. Each check mark. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I saw this and I'm like, wow, you know, I think that this is someone we need to have on our podcast. We haven't had a cinematographer yet, period. Really? So, no. I'm the first. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have to say up. most of our interviews have kind of fallen in a way where, you know, the kind of atmosphere makes it happen. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I think that there you go. And I think that, you know, we need to have more after you. Right. But, There's uh, a lot of cool ones out there, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe you can also make some suggestions and we'll go after those too. But for right now, we want to find out a little bit about you before you started. Okay. Yeah. Well, I definitely appreciate being here. So thank you. I come from the East Coast as well, but I come from a small town in South Carolina. It's called Rock Hill. And it was a great place to grow up. Um, 
I grew up with my twin sister and we were just always more on the creative side, more on the art side. And we started just making videos with like a home video camera, which would then turn into like a little digital camera and like, you know, nothing to show off, but we thought it was cool. And um, it turns out, you know, that this fun hobby that we had, you can actually kind of pursue a career out of it. And so we decided to do that. <laughs> and it was nice to be able to have a family member that is also trying to just go out and do this with you. Um, so it was, you know, always just a passion that we decided to attempt to pursue a career out of it. <laughs> now your sister, your twin wow. sister, she's in the industry too. Yes. Can, can you so tell me about her? Twin sister is Callie Williams, who is a production sound mixer. So occasionally you'll get a set where the DP and the sound mixer look the same, you know? So be careful who you ask about the lens swap because you just might get <laughs> does that. Does, does that ever confuse your first ADs? Yes. I mean, it might even confuse the gaffer, which can make for fun times. <laughs> <laughs> which light did you want? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and it's just great to have these two departments that sometimes you'll see like, oh, I, I don't get along with the sound person or I don't like the camera team, which is more accurate because some of the camera teams are like, eh. but um, it's nice to have a nice relationship with this person you need to be close with because if you yeah. can't get good audio then your visuals are like not worth it and if you can't get good camera work well sure but i i think a lot of us need to put sound more first because we just always are almost the privileged department when it comes to the camera team um but not necessarily the most important you know um if you have like just one long wide shot and the sound person can't get good sound then that is not a good shot and you need to rethink that you know so i i really enjoy having that close connection with someone that is in a, a really vital department that we should all just be good friends with you know we're yeah. all in different departments but we're all doing the same thing and yeah well, we but we talk about that a lot here on screen just about you know every other guest that comes on <laughs> We talk about sound and how important sound is because bad yeah. sound, you it's hard to do something with bad sound. If if not almost impossible, you know? Yeah. And so, even if, you know, you try to get ADR, that's still not as good as getting it then and there. Right. Um, so right. I try to make that a priority to not really think so highly of a shot that it's more important than other departments, you know? Yeah. Because it's not. It's Absolutely. never it. And half the time, your favorite shots don't even make the project. So <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you got to think, is it really worth that? Yeah. So you're in South Carolina, your sister, you and your sister, mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure out exactly what you're going to do, how you're going to evolve. You've already started your way into the industry. One of my favorite quotes is from James Cameron. He said, get some of your friends write a script, get a camera, shoot something. And from that point on, you're a filmmaker. It's just negotiating your rate after that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm a big believer in that. So you guys have all, you already had your foot in the industry. You're trying to decide what you want to do. 
So how do you break off into cinematography and sound? What happens there? Yeah. So I think originally we wanted to be like the big guys on set. I wanted to be a producer and she wanted to be a director. But then I learned of this position called the director of photography. And it was just so technical and well-respected that I wanted to try to maybe go after that. Um, And then, so when we got here, she was finding it hard to pursue directing as any young person probably would find. But what people were looking for was a sound mixer a camera and sound person so we would start almost going in as that together or separate and we both ended up finding a more technical like gear revolving position that I would say is more fun you know and it's just uh, really fun to nerd out and get excited about the cameras or the equivalent sound mixers and lavaliers and all of that and yeah, I, I think we, you know, started big, but found something in a sense bigger that is much more fun. Yeah. So I know that you own an Aerie. I do. Yes. Yeah. But I what still was have your... her. I'm sorry. I still have her. She's uh, with me. Uh, yeah. I bought my Aerie maybe back in 2015. And, oh, wow. You know, yeah. Still does. I don't know. It's just the airy quality to last so long. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I came out here and, uh, about a year in decided to do something drastic like that. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty drastic. I mean, Aries are remarkable cameras. So yeah. I mean, my reasoning for like justifying and getting into it was that I attempted to go the AC route, you know, like I want to be a DP. Let me start, as an AC, but I just was not like good at that. <laughs> it's not my thing. Uh, I, I find it more, um, you know, just, of a uh, like tougher job to have to focus on focusing and all eyes are on you. I would rather just have, you know, control over the entire picture than just being, you know, held responsible for that. And so I was like, well, geez, you know, I I was like 21 at the time or something. How do you be a DP? I wouldn't hire me. I wouldn't have hired, I don't know, like not even portfolio I had, but a way to either sell myself or at least get on set was to own this camera. That's a gold, you know, industry standard. And so I did that and just started marking myself as shooting like a DP with an airy is a lot better than this kid that is a big time wannabe, you know? (laughs) So even if you hired me in the first place, because I had this camera, the second time would not be because the camera, because you either like butchered the job or you did a good enough job that they want to hire you again, you know? So I just had to do something in order to be this director of photography that I wanted to be. And, you know, I would have loved to go the G and E route, but I, I just don't know if I would have been taken seriously as that. Yeah. I have a question, Kevin. Yeah. Go ahead. If I can just jump in for a second, because yeah. um, Katie, everything here sounds familiar. And so since we're sort of in the sort of the dawn of your career, we're talking about now, Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously they say that, you know, the DP, the tool of trade obviously is the camera, but there's also, you know, sort of the creative part, the visual style uh, early on in your career. Were there any 
particular cinematographers or movies that you watch or TV shows that you're like, man, that's the style I like that you would either try to emulate or something that you felt like you could grow and create your own style from? Yeah, I think the first movie that I really like noticed the way it was shot um, is not hard to believe that it was shot by Roger Deakins, but it was one that most people don't do, which is over the river art now. And I just loved how it was shot and the, yeah, the way it was made. And when you read back into it and just being the first that was all um, colored in post, you know, it's just mind blowing. And, you know, there was just so much that went into getting the look for that because they were not satisfied with what they were getting in camera and having to plan like, okay, this is what we're getting on set, but this is what it's going to look like later, you know, before even like LUTs were a thing. Um, so that, that was the first one I really remembered being, I'm also a big George Clooney fan, so I'm sure that helped. Me too. <laughs> but as a kid, <laughs> even in like second grade, my favorite movie was Titanic. And, you know, mm. now that I go back and watch it, that is one of the, like, most pretty cinematography that exists. And another one that I grew up loving was um, Forrest Gump. So mm. all, right. you know, well-shot movies that the the later two were definitely... I think mind, I didn't know exactly why I liked them, but now, you know, it's the story, the cinematography, the acting, everything is just a hundred percent with Titanic and Forrest Gump. But, uh, a brother art, that was definitely my first, like one that I noticed photographically that I really liked. Yeah. yeah oh, brother, where are thou? No, I was going to say, yeah, oh, brother, that, great film, by the way. And we love Roger Deakins. He's an incredible Definitely. cinematographer. Uh, and I had the pleasure of working at, at his talent agency, actually, in, in the early 2000s with a oh, lot wow. of amazing cinema. Yeah. Roger was was one of them. Wally Pfister was another. Janusz Kaminski uh, was part of that our team of clients, which all had their own visual stamp. But I think you're right, you know, because that was a time where you could shoot something clean and then yeah. get through that process of digital intermediates, the DI, they called them, uh, which is, you know, obviously mm -hmm. kind of a pain in the ass for some DPs to do that. But that's how you can really enhance the style, the visual, and really get, like you said, that look yeah. that you want out of a film. Uh, and so I think that's fantastic. In my film school days, they would ask us, you know, Kevin and I went to the same film school, you know, what is the basic definition of a movie? And the answer <laughs> is it's a story told in pictures. That's true. And so, yeah. you know, it's, I, I, I think other than the director, it's really the DP that helps tell that story visually, right? I like that thought. Yeah. I mean, if you can mute a movie and still know the story, then I think they did a very good job. Yes. Nothing against your sister, by the way, because audio is also. Oh, yeah. Important. We all know that. I mean, more than half. Just, just the unsung hero that really needs to be shined a light on. You know. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about. No pun brother. intended. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Make friends with the lighting department. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just wanted to talk about Oh, oh Brother, Where Out Thou for just a second because it's Great. one of my favorite films of all time. So I am uh, so glad to hear that. I, yeah. I feel like anyone who's seen it can almost agree. You know, it's just got everything. It's like got the comedy. It's got the story. It's got the visuals. It's got a stellar cast. It's got the, the Coen brothers, Roger Deakins, George Clooney. That's like a fire combination. 
Yeah. And almost I, a perfect movie if you think about it. To me, it's a perfect, it is, not even almost. It's a, <laughs> it, it is a perfect movie. And, you know, and the, the music, we don't want to forget the music. Yeah, the only uh, soundtrack to win um, a Grammy for album of the year, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for me, uh, having grown up in Kentucky for several years. Oh, um, right. Yeah, it yeah. really, really hit home. But the look of that movie really did hit home because you're right. This is before Lutz and this is before, you know, the whole Right, you couldn't even towards, monitor it, you know? Right. It was yeah. like, well, we're getting this, but this is what it's going to look like later, you know? <laughs> yeah, and they, they struck such a a balance between what a rich and, and saturated feel would be and, you know, maybe between a sepia tone, which, you know, yeah. makes it feel you know, a little bit more of that time period. Yeah. But, you know, you didn't feel either one of those. It, no, it was just something it, new. It was something unique. So I, yeah, I can like nerd out over that movie. It's just so great, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, now that we're already in movies, okay. I saw on your timeline, mm-hmm. um, and I think this is as far down as I went. Um, <laughs> Let's see how there far was like you- a there was a test uh, on Blade Runner, like Sean Young oh, in yeah. one of the scenes. And Blade Runner is yeah. one of my favorite films. For that, too. it was um, last year, and um, the company Shot Deck was doing this competition kind of where you took a still from a movie and recreated it. And it was a great way to spend like quarantine because you were so limited to what you had around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent a good bit of the quarantine with my family at home in South Carolina and they had like the perfect set dressing for this Blade Runner shot. And it was just, yeah, a lot of fun to do. And then I also did one from Sling Blade and it was just really fun to recreate something. And you learn about, you know, lighting when you're just so limited to what you have at home but there's always ways to make it look expensive especially since it was a still you know if we would have been doing a movie it would have been a different story (laughs) right but i mean you're spot on and it does i mean the lighting if you can get spot on yeah a a, a lot of cinematographers and dp start as um you know uh, still photographers yeah soderbergh started that way um which and, is also a George Clooney director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're definitely in, in, in the same family. But yeah. you know, if you could light it, typically, you know, if you could light it in a still, yeah, then you can light it in in motion. So I mean, you know, you know Blade Runner is so fun because it's all about the hard light and just uh, haze atmosphere kind of thing. And yeah, it's such a unique movie, you know. Yeah, and you and you hit. That spot on Sling Blade is another one of my favorite movies. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, it, we're, <laughs> we're I did have a nice little cheat because, you know, most people were shooting themselves, but I happen to have a twin who I use <laughs> as my replicant, which went along with the Blade Runner thing. So yeah, that's it, great. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to go back a little bit and get into what you were talking about in terms of AC for some people who may not know, you know, if you're not in the industry, AC is assistant camera. Um, And Roger Deakins, when he won the Oscar uh, two years ago, three years ago, the first person that he thanked was his focus puller for uh, 1917. 
That was the first person he thanked in his Oscar speech because it's a hard job. And maybe there's only five guys, maybe three <laughs> in the world that are, that are as good as I can't remember his focus puller's name. <laughs> Sorry, Roger Deakins, <laughs> but that are as good as his focus puller. You know, yeah. it's a hard and job. AC is a hard job. It is. And then a lot of the good ones also have intentions of becoming a cinematographer so you have to not get too attached when you find a good one because most likely they are on their own way to becoming a dp that's the traditional Uh, route yeah yeah so nice to just have a few of these people in your back pocket to really just yeah so you and your sister decide this before you move so you decide to become (laughs) sound and, Um, and 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 Yeah, before we came to Los Angeles, I think I knew that I wanted to pursue the the cameraman. Um, She was still kind of in the director boat, but it was when we came out here that there was a big need, even more for camera, you know. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Because I know that there's always a need. I tell my students, although (laughs) I don't, you know, we do basic sound. I don't teach them sound, but I tell them, you're going to get a job immediately if you just yes. go into the sound department. Yes, that is what, yeah, maybe I misspoke, but that's what I meant. Like, there oh. was a bigger need. Yes. That's Always, what, right. Yeah. Um, and there's a higher demand for sound. And maybe that's not the case, but there's less competition. So mm-hmm. if you can really, you know, do some good work, then you can really move up kind of. Yeah, you'll get on set immediately. Yeah. And, and some but it was sets. also, yeah, nice because those two work together a lot. And yeah. Um, yeah, so now we're able to just do sound and camera sometimes on the same project. And that that's really fun. But it was nice because I feel like we gave a lot of the departments a try. You know, like you want to know something about everything, but you want to know yeah. everything about something. Um, and it turned out, to find out exactly what you want to do, it's nice to test out some of those other departments because you'll never know like that you were interested in art or that maybe running the set as an AD is actually your thing, you know? Um, yeah. There's a lot of free projects out there um, and it's great for anyone trying to figure out what they're doing because, you know, there's not too much pressure and sometimes those are the most fun just because everyone's got more of a better attitude of like, Hey, let's make something, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, just trying to figure out exactly what you want to do can be, you know, uh, quite the process, but it's all worth it once you realize, okay, this is why I like this, but I also appreciate this job because I know they're doing this, you know? So just to have a little bit of knowledge of what everyone's doing around you to because i mean if you have a great production design and art department a lot of your job as a cinematographer is already done you know that can only go so well even when i was in hawaii because everything in hawaii is nicely created and nicely visual it's like having a good production designer it's like oh thanks you know (laughs) my job is a little bit easier today (laughs) yeah and the light in hawaii is just like you know, it, yeah, it can be. And sometimes it gives you a nice like overcast day. And then it's really I mean, most people don't want an overcast day in Hawaii, but I'm just saying, you know, lightwise, that looks really good. <laughs> right. So <laughs> you did you purchased the Aerie. Was that the mm-hmm. first camera that you learned? I 
Yeah. Yeah. So it was probably the Aerie Alexa that I learned was like the coolest camera out there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they came out with the Aerie Mira and it was slightly more affordable. So I was always interested in learning about that camera, but I took a detour and started working in it like as an AC under red camera. So then I was going on to this red camera thing. Um, but I just ended up buying the Aerie Mira because I just love the name Aerie and what it comes with and all of <laughs> the history that's gone into just that company itself. And when I met the camera, I really liked the build of the body. Like I still, that's probably still my favorite build of a camera even though some people like are intimidated because it's kind of bigger, similarly bigger than reds. Um, but it's so well balanced the way they made it, uh, uh-huh. very friendly. And I don't know, uh, Ari really, um, uh, promoted that camera as like a doc style broadcast, but it is so much more with the same sensor as the Alexa. It's like still good for narrative. Um, and if they would just add four three, you know, we could be rocking anamorphic too. <laughs> and it would really be the perfect camera. <laughs> that is something, you know. Yeah. How we how you go from one aspect ratio to another aspect ratio is the popular aspect ratio to another one. And now pretty much depending on mm-hmm. what you're shooting and your story, you can tap into any aspect ratio you want. You really so. can. And, you know, especially these days when like vertical is a thing, you have to start almost framing for different ones because you don't know what it's going to end up on. If it ends up as an advertisement in 916, well, then you got to frame for that. But it's also planning to be uh, on uh, the TV. So then they want 16 by 9, you know, like. Uh, so then there's this new thing where you're framing for a lot of different aspect ratios and maybe the director doesn't know what they want to go for. So you got all these frame lines on there and you're just like, whatever, you know? Yeah. And some directors <laughs> are shooting in four, three to give that's, more of a claustrophobic feeling. Yeah. You know? And that came back a little bit. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But- also, yeah. With the whole, like this error social media they're trying to bring four three back just as the square the four three is coming back yeah yeah it, it's it's it, that, that that's something else but yeah. um i really want to talk about some of the stuff that you've shot okay i would too <laughs> <laughs> so narrative films yes we'll get to that in a minute but i want to talk okay. about cars Okay, I can talk about cars more like let's talk, you know, <laughs> right after narrative. My favorite, favorite thing to shoot is definitely cars. Yeah, I've, I used to I mean, it used to be a way of just making money because it was available. But now it's became a passion so much that I found myself, you know, now I drive like a Scott Pack Challenger. I'm just like really into. Yeah cars and horsepower and everything that goes into lighting and making them just you know appear as good as they look in person so how did you get into shooting cars um so i was on the short film i think pretty low budget just either being a gne helper or something and that led to like the sizzle in nashville but it turns out the these same people were also working on a car project and so they needed another operator. And so I jumped on. I mean, this like probably I didn't know, but like 
the coolest place to work when it comes to cars because these cars are like featured in Fast and Furious. They're all over um, like Hot Rod magazines and stuff like that. And it started off as just being a way to, you know, live and pay rent. <laughs> and then uh, when the original DP moved out of the country and I got to move up to DP is when I really found a passion for lighting and shooting cars. And then I found a further passion of driving them. <laughs> so yeah, when I say I enjoy cars, I, it, it really has became a nice little passion. So, so, you know, them inside and out. I kind of do. Yeah. Mostly we, we shoot a lot of the engines as well. So not only, you know, lighting just the car bodies, but also those pretty, artworks that go inside them no, do you no. find any specific challenges to shooting cars can you well and or can you get yeah some, i think some of the, the thing with cars yeah is like it starts to become and i think greg fraser talked about this when shooting the mandalorian but it becomes more about um what's off the camera than what is because a car reflects everything um the hardest car I shot was bare metal. <laughs> so it, you saw the, and we shoot inside the car shop. Uh, they have this nice, like top light, like built specifically as if it was in a studio. Um, and so when I was shooting that car, I was like seeing the entire car shop because this thing reflected everything. I mean, even the camera. Um, and so then I had to put up and I ran out of like black, fabric to um start reflecting so i found this really long piece of white silk um had to like iron it and everything because it will show every flaw you know it's just that reflective and ended up being able to get a pretty decent image and um it it really becomes about what's off camera so you you need black you need white you need anything that reflects to really pop um these like this material off, especially if you're doing black on black, you need to start skipping the white from a certain angle. You need to start reflecting white from like the turbos and just give it that nice separation. Uh, it's very different from a human face, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. well, that's, that's fascinating. Well, I, I got to jump in because if we're doing car, car talk, mm -hmm. like the NPR show, um, I have a theory. I think, you know, other than the lead actors, the sexiest thing in any movie when they make their entrance is a car. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, think about everything from Batman <laughs> to, you know, one of my favorites, Gone in 60 Seconds. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Ford Mustang. That's what I drove to mm. L.A. Yeah. It was a Mustang That's GT. Nice. So. Mm. Oh my gosh! I, just, I can't. Really? Even the yeah. original, the remake, the Bruckheimer remake. Okay, the movie wasn't as good, but <laughs> goddamn, that car was sexy as hell. Which yeah. I know, I, I went to Bruckheimer Productions. He owns that car, the the from that movie. Oh, and he just has it in his garage. Yeah, and it is a, a a professional comes in once a week just to like shine and polish it and wax it. That's literally right. once a week. <laughs> uh, but there is something about movies and cars that is just so iconic. I love that. Yeah, you need to patent that sentence because that that is so true. After the actors, it's the car. <laughs> 
It is yeah. the car. I mean, think about yeah. James Bond. Like, what's cooler than him jumping in that? You know, sometimes it's a BMW. Sometimes it's uh, you know, Aston Martin, a, a British car. Mm. Aston Martin, of course. But every time that 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 is just as iconic, almost as Bond himself. Yeah, that that's sexy a good way. Yeah, you can't separate them. And then the success of Fast and the Furious. Of course, you know, and, and I talk to my students a lot about this. They created indelible characters. Okay. So the indelible characters, but the cars. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> you know, without the cars, I think, what yeah. do you have? So that's it great. It would be a dream to kind of shoot something like Ford versus Ferrari where it incorporates narrative, but a lot of cool cars. That is like, you know, if I could shoot anything, it would be something like that. Okay. When we when Jay, both of us are producers too, but um, okay. so when we uh, well, when we come up with that project, you're gonna let be me know. Start straight on right now. You and yes. your sister. That's right. Perfect. And on I think Night Rider is probably due for a remake soon. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. I I'm already there. So um, <laughs> I jumped to cars first because okay they're muscular and also because of what they're JL pretty. said. You know, yeah. you, <laughs> the car come in, you know something is is happening. But I want to jump to narrative film. So okay. you would say that that's your first, first love. I would say, so. yeah, narrative still comes first. But uh, cars keep pushing into being a really close second. <laughs> and we're, we're going to marry them both, you know, yes. hopefully sooner yeah. than later. I did get to do like a nice uh, documentary as well, which incorporated a lot of the cars and story. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to documentary in a second. I want to talk about Ooh. narrative film. Yes. Um, first, let, let's talk about we talked about some of your favorite films. So that's great. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your narrative work and okay. what you love about shooting narrative. Yeah. Um, can you talk about, you know, some of your setups again, you know, some some <laughs> tips for people that are just getting into it, but also some tricks that you've learned along the way and talk a little bit about, you know, setups, lighting and, and those okay. things. Yeah. I think the most, you know, th important thing for me was just learning that um, my favorite aspect of cinematography is lighting. I think, you know, that comes first and then the lens and then the camera. So that's my order of, yeah, importance as far as the elements in cinematography. Uh, my latest narrative um, just came out. It was this Blade Runner alien-like uh, little short um, that we used these new Atlas Silver Edition lenses on, which pretty much are just flare city. Everything it flares, flares. But the cool part about those lenses is that they have a neutral flare. So when you hit the camera with a light source that's the same balance as your white balance it does this silver streak where it's completely neutral because you know most lenses have their own native so the normal atlas lenses are like this blue streak no matter what you know you're throwing at it um so it was cool to kind of see this neutral flare come in and did a lot of color contrast because the thing with these is if you shine a yellow light on it, you get a yellow flare. If you shine a blue, you get a blue. So I decided to do 43 on the color balance so that my tungstens were yellow, my daylights were blue, and we just had all these colors coming in, literally left and right. You couldn't get away from these flares. <laughs> but awesome. yeah, um, it's very 
definitely alien-like and um, mixed in with some Blade Runner like hard light shafts. Um, and it was a cool story because it was probably generally something that males would be cast to do, but it was two females that got to play these two, like, like you don't know what they are, but they're like got cool outfits on and they're like running and just like pretty powerful looking. So I liked being able to capture that, capture that moment. And they were both appreciative of that role because it only ever comes you know it's all changing the world is getting better but still yeah, it's nice when you're able to do something not all, necessarily different. all ladies lady dp ladies <laughs> main characters oh, yeah i mean that's cool too and i don't think you know we have to be a hundred percent and sometimes it might be hard to be like when we're like oh i want to be 50 50 but you only ever have so much interest um that will throw it off but i know a lot of it's just making up for the past where uh, a lot of us you know minorities didn't get roles and so now we gotta like make up for that like oh 100 percent crew whatever but you know that's no, I mean, but it's cool when it happens. You yeah. know, you don't yeah. always have to, you know, an all black cast, yeah. or, you know, an all Hispanic cast and crew. But when yeah, it happens, it you is know, great I guess when it happens. Cool. And I definitely feel like I want to um, support those films more, you know. But yeah, sometimes it's hard to be limited just because my, I mean, it's really tough if you're limited to your genie crew. My, people just so happen to be like males mostly because that is a very male dominated crew, but you know, and then if you're limited and you can't work, then it just starts, you know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get to where it doesn't matter what you are. I'm just hiring you because of your work, yeah. but if it benefits you might as well ride that boat. But if not, you know, I just yeah. want, yeah. If, if you like the work, then that's, I'm doing something right. The most important uh, part. Yeah. So, we just talked about sci-fi. Yeah. What about drama? And you know, maybe what's mm-hmm. the difference? What's the feel? What yeah, I mean with the sci-fi, it was really nice because it was far from what I usually do. It's hard light saturation, uh more contrast than what I like. Generally like a vintage kind of low con, like low sat look. Um but you know the lighting ratio is still the same i'm always a far side key person no matter what if it don't make sense still i'm gonna make you flip it you know (laughs) and um yeah so my feature was a hardcore drama uh the story about a teacher and a student that end up getting into a relationship and yeah Got to shoot that on some vintage rehouse Canon FDs paired with my area mirror. And it just had uh, it had a different look. But when you start looking at lighting, sometimes you'll notice the same thing. But it was much more softer than the hard light in all the shafts that we were doing that came from the sci-fi. Ironically, it was the same director, too. So it was the two of us doing completely different stuff. <laughs> No, I um, love that. Wow. Yeah. What, what was the name? Well, I'm curious. What was the name of the film? So the film's called Before the Dawn. It's on Amazon and a bunch of <laughs> different outlets. I think it's just about on everything. So, yeah. 
Okay, we'll have to that VOD we'll have to check world that out. VOD, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, yeah, a good bit of it is still on my reel, but I'm planning on updating that soon, as yeah. we all say. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about documentaries, oh, which okay. is one of my favorite. Yeah. Um, so documentaries, oftentimes it's ENG run and gun. You That's know. true, which is some of my favorite. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so I saw you with this badass setup. Yeah. Was, was that for shooting a narrative thing? Was it, or was it shooting a yeah, documentary? What was it shooting? Red setup was for this docu-series in Hawaii following kind of like a survival light show. Um, and yeah, it, it was shot. I tried to shoot it very much like a documentary. I don't know what they're going to do in post. It might become more of a reality. Um, but I enjoy shooting things more narrative or more doc style as opposed to that. And a lot of that's just finding the right light in the moment. Like even if you got this nasty over light, you can always backlight, you know, just expose for the sky and let the face go because um, it's exposures and stuff that are really going to make it feel more doc light or narrative like as opposed to like just blown out skies and everything you might see more in a reality show. So I really was excited with what I did for that one. And we'll see how it turns out in post. And that's all we can ever hope for, really. Um, yeah, but I, I shot that on the red with this uh, big Canon zoom lens. And then we would do the interviews on the Canon CNEs. And they also did car shots, which they tried to be like, all right, and maybe we'll just do GoPros for that. And I was like, no. And so we were able to get some A7Ss with the CNEs on it to give it more of a cinematic feel because eh, little cameras scare me, you know. <laughs> but the, A the A7S is a... It's a great camera. I mean, it is. I was talking about the GoPros that are. The, oh, the GoPros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're good for, you know, some they things have that their you purpose. need. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you have somebody yeah. jumping out of a whatever, you know, you want to have that yes. GoPro. You want some backup. Or, yes. Yeah. Somebody diving into something. <laughs> yeah. Like five GoPros going, you know. So yeah. They, they, they are good for specific things certain stuff yes. yeah for certain but, you know things. when they first said that and that was the suggestion i was not all about that you know so we were definitely lucky to be able to get some of those and they also came in handy for like time lapses and specialty things so right like, this is like the best little camera i mean all the mirrorless ones are just pretty impressive the fact yeah. you can even put pl glass on it is just yeah yeah game changing as i yeah. said it's lighting lens camera so <laughs> <laughs> right um before i get into camera and lens mm -hmm. i just want to talk again documentary yes. is one of my favorites we're um in production on two docs right now Ooh. and we've been shooting with the uh fs5 fs7s and the okay. a7s yeah very know, nice a7 for second you know the b cam yeah, yeah, I mean, because the smaller you can get that kind of, you know, handheld <laughs> fill without having to have a big rig or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, and sometimes it can be intimidating to certain talent. So if you're able to sneak in right. a, a smaller setup, um, yeah, it's it's whatever's best for the situation. But I, yeah. I enjoy a big camera. Like, 
you know, the bigger, the better, the more. Well <laughs> That's funny. The lighter Five foot, 98 like. pounds, the bigger, the better. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, have you been able to shoot just like run and gun where you haven't been able to set up any lighting? You just have mm-hmm. to go with it. Yeah. I mean, my favorite directors are just anyone that I can be like, Hey, um, so for this, if we just, you know, flip around the talent, then we'll have a nice far side key. The lighting will be better. And then they go with it. I don't want to be too intrusive, but there's always a way you can make the lighting as best as what you're given with. Um, so that's generally putting the sun behind your talent. Um, angling them, shaping the face a little bit. You can always return some of that or get rid of some of that with just a little bit of Jenny, but you don't want to, you know, we're capturing real life stuff. It, it's hard to sometimes accept the situation where you're just given it, but you have to do that. And it's really hard, but <laughs> there, there is times. And at the same time, you just, you know, you're capturing what is happening then. If it's happening in the ugly light, it's doing that, you know, you've got to <laughs> let right. some of that perfection go. Oh, and I'm mainly talking to me because I just, whew, sometimes it's like really soul crushing when you're like, oh, this green light or like <laughs> the sun overhead, you're murdering me, you know? Yeah. Or, <laughs> but there's always also things you can do with exposure. So for the Hawaii thing, I found myself very much exposing for the background as opposed to the face. So I oh, would just wow. let the face and it was like a really dark moment. So I had like this nice silhouette face talking about this experience they were going through. And I, I was just like, hmm, that worked out, you know, a happy, yeah. lucky little thing because I was given the wrong neutral density filter. <laughs> and so I asked for a one, two, but I got a two, one. And I was like, good gosh, this is like, what is this? And then I realized it was six stops instead of four. I was like, oh, wow. But it really uh, set the mark for my new exposure thing. And um, yeah, really pleased. But that one was very much run and gun. Just It was nice because like trekking through the forest, I had this like camera boulder that was just taking out the the limbs and stuff hanging around like okay like as miserable as this is I also have this free little piece of equipment taking out all of this uh miserableness you know (laughs) but it was it was fun in a way but at the same time you know if you imagine trekking through a jungle and then you imagine doing that with this thing on your shoulder it's like yeah, right oh right you were in hawaii what a paradise well let me tell you you know this is what we're really doing it's but, hard enough to trek through by yourself yeah alone but with a, another a documentary rig. i enjoyed doing was a, a a car one we were following this race car driver named sonia and just uh capturing one of her last races of the season and um so i got to combine the car love with the doc love and also you know kind of the narrative uh in a way just by the way we shot it and um yeah that one has done the film festival circuits and stuff and it should be available soon just for anyone to what's the name of it sonia slides sonia slides okay yeah and it's directed by a good friend of mine and it was our first project together and we've since done some narrative and yeah it's always good when it, it all feels like everything's there. So I was pretty pleased. I also um, had to color that one, which was, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So they originally had someone else do it, but there was no budget. So, you know, if you're not satisfied, I guess you got to do it yourself. So did you (laughs) enjoy coloring it? I did in a way, Mm -hmm. just knowing that it was the best option and that I was going to get what I, what I intended to shoot it for um, out of it was nice control. That's for sure. Um, but there is, you know, some, I I could never do that for other things, but it was the right choice for that project. (laughs) Very cool. Um, so can we talk a little bit about lenses and some of your favorite lenses and why? Yeah, I can nerd out about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's probably a whole nother podcast, but you know, try to keep it as succinct as we can. My best friend is writing this big lens cine manual that I've been kind of proofreading. So I've just been mind blown with all this information and it's just interesting what all of these things are capable of doing. Just, yeah. Yeah. So, um, what, yeah. Some of your favorite lenses, why? Yeah. What situations? For a narrative. I love a good vintage lens. Um, one of my favorites, probably the Canon K35s, which is also the Canon FDs. And they just have a nice low contrast and a nice like fall off of the face. Um, naturally what you're getting in camera is generally what I try to get in post, just the way that it, um, it just that vintage look that comes from the old glass that had a lot of flaws in it. I mean, now our modern day glass is just, just correcting some of these aberrations that a lot of the vintage ones didn't have the, the means to then, or didn't know the makeup of what actually canceled some of that stuff out. But it's different for if I'm shooting a car as I generally do want that modern sharpness with the the clear resolution of capturing the small details when it comes to getting the car. So uh, generally I find myself that the Zeiss glass, the ultra primes are probably the best, but then when you are on the (laughs) full frame, they don't start covering that sensor. Um, So, you know, I've played around with still some of the Zeiss, uh, even the CP3s. I'd love to put some Supreme primes on there, but yeah, I haven't got to yet. That would be a dream to shoot the cars. But I also, I mean, generally I'm really turned off by a zoom lens, but if I'm shooting a car and it's on the the car rig following the thing, there's nothing better than being able to change that like lens without having to change the lens. And uh, if the elements don't move too much, then you don't even have to rebalance the Ronin. So it's nice to be able to have that ability. Most people aren't in love with zooms, but they definitely have <laughs> their place. And yeah, I, I will never go back to shooting like the Ronin car rig on a prime because then you're like, oh, I really wish we could go in or I really would love a wide, you know, it's just so, you know, it makes you really love the ability of a zoom lens and these days they're all typically pretty fast and they don't ramp so uh, there's a many many good zoom lenses out there i shot the last one on the zeiss 21 to 100 and it was yeah a nice range really and it was on a super 35 camera so we didn't have to be you know so close or or anything as if we were if we had a full frame 
uh, camera, but I, I also do love shooting big monstrous cars on a full frame camera because like the 14 makes it look really out of this world in your face as it's kind of meant to be. Because, <laughs> right. you know, if you see one in person um, and then if you shoot it, so more like on a 50 or, or a telephoto, then it starts really just compressing that thing. But if you yeah. shoot it like up in your face, so why do you see every detail just kind of warping into this big monstrous car that it is yeah and yeah I don't know it, it definitely depends on the project what my favorite lens is but generally you know if I'm doing narrative it is a vintage kind of flawed lens and if it's cars or commercial work then you're generally going to maybe go for a more sharp less aberration kind of lens um but I still yeah I still love a good flawed lens. <laughs> awesome. Wow. That's, that's a nice range there. That's a, a very <laughs> yeah. great uh, look into, into, into yeah. what you love I in mean, terms of lenses. Definitely what makes things, I mean, people used to be like, oh, you should have bought a lens set that was going to last longer. But if I would have bought a lens set and producers or whoever knew, and I was selling myself as say like a cook owner, then all my projects were going to look way more similar by shooting on the same lens than they do on the same camera, yeah. you know? So if you more so want to invest and you want all your projects to have more of a different feel, then it's better to maybe consider getting a camera system because you can easily change more so that look, um, and you can do all of this in post. We all know that. But I'm just saying, you know, in camera, on set, you're going to get more different looks by getting a different lens set every time. Yeah, but what you learn, I mean, I run a production, a multimedia yeah. company actually is everything is time and time is money. So if the less time you waste in post, <laughs> the more yes. money you're going to save, you know. That's and true. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm really big on, you know, I come more from the Christopher Nolan school of, you know, let's see what we can do in practical, you know, before we get to yeah. post. And so. I mean, there's some great things to like send off to post. Like if you're like, oh, I really want to take down the light on that wall, but it's going to be a 20 minute setup versus a two minute fix. Yeah, no, no, no. Right. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah. Nice to have Definitely that knowledge. Definitely a balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's whatever, as you said, you know, some things definitely save you time by just getting it right then and there. And then some things like taking light down or whatever will save you time in post if you don't have the 20 minutes to do a setup flagged off, which it yeah. wouldn't take 20, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. This time has flew by. So, but I mean, there's still so much to talk about. We may have to well, I we definitely okay. want to interview your sister at some point. So if yeah, you can put in a good will, word for yeah. us. She's currently working on this uh, shoot that should be wrapping in about two weeks. So, yeah, so you know, put in a good yeah. word for us, you know, now <laughs> that we know someone who knows. Her. I actually will. Yeah. Some of these can just be like intimidating. Like, I don't want to talk. But I would generally say I enjoy this. And talking yeah. to you guys. maybe you can come on with her, you know, just maybe. I don't know. It gets confusing, especially without audio. I mean, with without visuals because we sound so similar and you're like, oh, which wow. one's on the, wait, I'm a camera person. <laughs> which one should I be listening to? Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing that um, can be confusing, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we sound a lot. You'll probably be creeped wow. out like, mm. 
did you just like change your name? Because I'm pretty sure. So you look alike and you sound alike. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. There are um, so, there are so many possibilities for practical jokes on sets. There, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even for that, we have to hire. Yeah, um, but I definitely remember one time. Um, uh, no one even noticed, but I called out sound speeds, and she called out camera speeds. But of course, I was behind the camera. She, no one even cared. No one even called on. Like, oh, okay, wow. we should do that more, and also yeah. think of some fun things. But yeah, you know, watch out if you're. Jeannie and you ask her what the setup is because you just might get an answer but it just may not be a whatever <laughs> <laughs> it'll be something more like uh you know like oh whatever you do don't make the boom you know cause a shadow you know <laughs> <laughs> right Which is a legit concern you know I would yeah. maybe say that but if that's you know the DP's biggest priority you might be talking to the wrong one <laughs> right that's right yeah. <laughs> Um, so some of your favorite DPs, cinematographers. Yeah. Um, Conrad Hall is the big favorite of mine. Um, you know, searching for Bobby Fisher, Road to Perdition. He's like Roger Deakins before Roger Deakins was Roger Deakins. And that's who, you know, inspired him. But of course, Roger Deakins is also up there. I love him. And um Reed Morano is a big inspiration for me now that she's more of a director still. But, um, you know, I love her work and her stuff as even just uh, the shooter and the director is I I can't even imagine doing both of those roles, you know. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, you really get to be with the actor when you are the cameraman. Um, But yeah, Uh, Greg Frazier is great. Um, Rachel Morrison um Janusz Kaminski ah. uh Emmanuel Lebeski I mean all the big timers you know yeah. <laughs> it's hard not to love them um but yeah I, I would definitely go oh and Haskell Wexler is you know top two Haskell and Conrad have a Hollywood star on the walk of fame yeah you know that's m- m- most I mean, Roger Deakins I think he does too Mm-mm. No? It's just Conrad and Haskell. Wow. And they're actually like really close together. They're both by Buffalo Wild Wings whenever you come out here and you want to see <laughs> how to find yeah. them. Uh, but they're like, maybe there's one in between them, but they're pretty much right side and they have the cool little camera thing. Uh, but yeah, you rarely see a DP on the Walk of Fame. That doesn't make any sense. But because. Well, it, it doesn't because I, I'm a big believer that the DP is an above the line. Me too. That yeah. Nice. I tell yeah. my students all the time. I, I tell them, you know, when you go out there in the world, you know. Yeah. Say what you say. Yeah, yeah, you have to know how things are. But for sure, they're above the line. And, you I know. know, in, in it, terms it of important be- elements. Yeah. Yeah. If only, you know, if if only that was a thing. And maybe, I don't know, there would just be so many other positions to bring up, too. And I'm always amazed at the few that are technically above. Yeah. Um, But, you know, for me, it's, you know, that relationship with the director and the cinematographer. Yeah. And if you just there's a reason a lot of us just find our people and then, you know, you're this perfect team. And from now on, you start having this relationship with this director because you know the language and you know what they like uh you know there's nothing better than getting back to working with your favorites yeah i mean writer 
director, cinematographer, designer. Well, yeah, those production designer. Yeah. Everyone is important. I mean, and everyone is an artist in and of of themselves. You know, if if you are going that route and you're moving towards, you know, these top level projects, everyone is an artist. Gaffers, the, you know, electricians, everyone has, you know, a way of uh, creating their indelible mark. But you're not going to, (laughs) you know, open the movie without the, you know, the visuals, you know, you're going to hear the sound, but the visuals, the connection of the director with the DP is a unique relationship, you know, because that they're the visual. Let's just put it this way, Kevin, let's, let's put it this way. Without the DP, you're essentially producing a stage play. (laughs) <laughs> Think about that. For a yeah, you have to. That's you true. Or a radio capture it. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. So the entire industry is centered around the fact that there's a goddamn camera. <laughs> Without that, <laughs> right, that's right. There is no movie. There is no nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can go full force with all of this being said. That's <laughs> so true. I think we're we're about to launch a movement here. Uh, yeah. So so Oscars so white. Oscars so this. Oscars without a DP is no Oscars. Yeah. yeah. Who could forget when they were trying not to uh, televise that and the editor? Yeah. There you that go. Oh my. Crazy. Oh, and uh, how about how about you guys remember the year where the below the line categories they brought the Oscar to their seats so they didn't have to waste time walking to the stage? No, I, I don't remember that. that. that no, was the year. I don't. What year Dude. was that? Oh, wait, but wait, this is the year, the second year I think Chris Rock hosted the Oscars and he actually oh. made a joke about it. He's like, mm-hmm. man, we might as well have the Oscars at a McDonald's. I have an <laughs> Academy Award and a drive through <laughs> with a McFerry, please. <laughs> It's yeah. no drive through. <laughs> right. They actually did that. I was like, I was, I was floored. That yeah, I mean, this year was kind of terrible. Yeah. But could you imagine, like, oh, sorry, we don't have enough time to see you walking to the stage, so we're just gonna have someone bring the Oscar to your seat mm-hmm. so you can give the speech from there. Wow, <laughs> terrifying. The crazy, absolutely terrible. So, um, anyway, like I said, this time has sped by. Uh, thank you for I am glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm glad it's yeah. not like, oh, well, I just looked at the time and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we were, uh, our frame, our frame rate for this was just, <laughs> you know, but, um, so, but we do have two questions that we asked okay. at the end and we're going to have to have you back on. Absolutely. Okay. I am so down. I generally actually enjoy this and I, Really, never do. I'm more like, oh, great, yeah. <laughs> you want to so That's know cool. What? That makes yeah. us feel good. Yeah, we, we feel yeah. Really good. I would team, much so. rather have someone that feels like a friend, like you guys do. You know. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so we have to work together, both doing another interview and work together. I'm a producer, writer, director. Right, so. right. And you were gonna yeah. write that car thing. Yeah, I gotta write yeah. the car thing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we have two questions that we ask at the end of every interview. I don't know we okay. started it with the first interview. I don't know how this became a tradition. How do any tra- how does any tradition become a tradition? But I think it's a great. You keep tradition. doing it. Yeah. So um, and you know what? It, I think it's become a tradition for JL to ask the first one and me to ask the second one. So uh, okay. JL, let it rip. <laughs> I like the absolutely. Humor. So so just <laughs> just like the new tradition of Festivus, we are going to start with the first part of this question. Okay. The, the first part for you is this is like, you got to think sci-fi now. This is back to the future. Okay. So imagine if you could go back in time mm-hmm. 
and ask a younger version of yourself when you're just starting out in high school or college and you're first getting interested in the camera and this as a career, knowing what you know now in 2021, what advice would you give to yourself way back then? For getting in? No, just in general. It could be anything. Don't eat that plum. Personal. (laughs) No. Yeah. Any, Any advice you want to give yourself about your life journey over the past 20 years or whatever it is, what advice, knowing what you know now, all the knowledge you have of 2021, even if it's lottery tickets, it doesn't matter. Uh, What advice would you give yourself back then? Yeah, would be something along um, as give everything a chance um, because you don't know what kind of opportunity that this is or that it's going to lead to. There's a lot of projects that you might initially not want to do or it doesn't interest you, but those kind of things might lead you to meeting this one person that leads you to this job that you really want. So there's a lot of things that will just come up and you're like, oh, is this worth the hassle? Um, Should I even bother replying? And I think it's to at least, you know, investigate every opportunity to see what you are going to get out of this. There's many, many projects that will come up to you that will either offer, (laughs) you know, credit or whatever it may be. Um, But you have to evaluate and see what it is that you can get out of this. Um, You know, it's just don't take anything or don't write off anything, you know whatever comes your way. Initially, you may not like something, but if you really uh, dive into it, what could you get out of this? You know? Wow. Um, that's, that, that's great advice. Um, great. Came up with that on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that means it she's, came from the heart. She's also good at improv. There uh-huh. you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really love that because there have been projects that I've started and yeah or that you just initially write off because you're like yeah yeah and people that you connect with and especially Mm -hmm. you know having been in in the industry for a while I started in front of the camera um and a lot of the relationships that I made in front of the camera you know are relationships that I've been able to something else yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) and projects that I've worked on maybe I yeah you know I mean I remember taking this um project that didn't exactly pay what I would have wanted uh but yeah we got like a free trip to DC out of it. And it was like one of the funnest things about last year, really. And, you know, you just never know what's going to come out of these opportunities. Um, and when we initially write them off, you don't know what you just passed off of. I mean, you yeah. know, the pitch of what you passed off of, but what was really going to be led out of it. You don't, you will never know. So explore every, op- don't write yeah, things off. Of yeah. Me. And then, you know, we all have our initial like, <sighs> reaction like i don't want to read that or really you know we all or do this interview for screen heat miami out of the blue (laughs) oh yeah no i I was down for that especially hearing some of your others it just is way more fun or personal than um something more not you know (laughs) yeah yeah so really really incredible um look into thinking about you know make your steps what to to really look at that's the the most important part is to make uh, connections and network. So um, anything that's going to lead you to a potential new source is 
worth investigating. Wow. So that's a great segue into the next question. Okay. Is it going <laughs> to be a thinker? <laughs> um, yes. Not as much. <laughs> Not as much, but yes. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to, it could be people, but, you know, mm-hmm. even it could be even more specific, like, you know, DPs. Yeah. Or it could be both. But advice okay. to... Um, people getting into the industry and even some people that are already in the industry that yeah. you know, want to keep their thing going. I definitely, you know, we have a lot of off days, no matter how uh, sometimes big you can get, there will be like dry spells or days you're questioning what you're doing in life. Like, oh, I'm on the right track. Why is this person working? Why am I not? I must not be that. Um, so it's important to know that everybody goes through that. Um, this is a very exciting, fun career choice, but it can also be flat out depressing. Um, but to realize that you are not at all in the same, like alone in that situation, um, it's gotta be something you can't compare yourself to. Um, some people get the jobs just cause they know the right people that have the right equipment, um, have, you know, this kind of relationship with their director um so you can't like start comparing yourself to the others and and questioning why they're being hired why they're not there's so many elements that go into it um but i also think that when we do have these off days it's important just to go out and shoot go out and test lenses go out and test lighting see what you like about natural lighting see what you don't like how would you you know artificiate this light if you could um do you know setups for certain situations figure out how they shot a brother art bow or your favorite scene and then also read you know there's a lot of great things out there there's american cinematographer um there's a new lens book coming out that i think everyone will like and the (laughs) the cine lens manual and it is very deserving of that title (laughs) Um, you know, there's just so much that you can learn to really, um, push yourself. At least if you're not working, you are in a sense, expanding your, uh, knowledge and granted the best kind of experience is doing. So there there's even, you know, we all have a phone, we all have a camera. Uh, it's not, you know, cinematically, but it is capable of good, like pictures, maybe not like moving. Um, so you can recreate those scenes, like the Blade Runner thing with the shot deck, um, shots that were created in isolation, you know, there, there's so many ways you can practice your, um, career without, you know, actually on the off days that we all have, (laughs) there's just ways to elevate it. Um, and just, yeah, make use of that time. Cause when you do get that long feature, you will miss some of it a little bit. Wow. Yeah. That, (laughs) that, that, that is great advice because you are mainly, you know, don't compare yourself and keep practicing, keep reading. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. (laughs) That's a short answer. That's, that's, that's tremendous advice. Certainly. Because yeah, you are working and, and essentially. Love, and it, you are. 
and what I wanted to say too is like you know the idea, like you said, of just shooting something with your phone because some not everyone, as you know, has access to an Ari or a Red mm-hmm. or yeah. even half of that. But most of us have smartphones, and and there's so much that can be done artistically, like you said, just to get the practice out there of setting up a frame or understanding what you want to capture uh, that cell phones are great at, even to the point a good friend of ours, Kevin Chinoy, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, who did the Florida Project, and Sean Baker, one of his first films was Tangerine, which was a right. Sundance darling shot on an I iPhone think. 5. Yeah. So... I don't, I mean, there's ways. With an early iPhone, not a fancy iPhone 10. (laughs) Even with an iPhone and and then you, um, yeah, start shaping the light. You'll see, you know, the, the image is better. And why? Because, you know, you're doing this light. So if you compare it to the natural and then you compare it to what you like, you can do that on an iPhone, you know, Um, just as much. And the revenue. Yeah. um, I don't know, you know, because of COVID and everything, but before, uh, rental houses are very kind. And if you have something you want to test out and reach out to one of the agents, they are generally more than happy to give you a room and just let you test whatever lens that you want or camera or light setup, lens chart, you know, just go out and shoot some lens tests, you know, there is plenty of things and you'll find a lot of people are more than supportive there there's less people out there that aren't gonna give you those opportunities there's way more people that want to see people succeed I mean especially if you go to a rental house and then you keep them in mind for when you do have a project just you know everyone shares and raises the other one up so yeah yeah, I'm I'm a big big believer in that. There was a there was a rental house here sent a video tech when I was in film school. You know, they lent me some equipment. They even gave yeah. me some gels. Yeah, and <laughs> that you know, went a as, long way. It, it did because as my production company started to roll and get bigger, we started renting stuff from them. And you know that that whole pay it forward thing is is uh, real. That's real, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I mean, never forget the ones that yeah, and then. What you were saying about, you know, if you're not on set, you know, physically doing something, whether you're getting paid or whether you're not, you know, physically yeah. doing something to pay it forward for yourself is by that education, which actually is yeah. working, too. You know, that-, <laughs> that is true. It's hard to see it that way. But, you know, you're actually putting yourself um, over the others by learning this new thing or this new information that will get you the next job. And if you're not doing, the next person is doing it. So yeah, yeah. You know, I hate to say your competition. You know, I, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't like to necessarily look at it. Look, look at it that way. Something you said earlier made a lot of sense, which is, you know, you have your own unique style, and you're figuring out your own unique style. You have your lenses that you use, your camera that you use. It's your style. Oftentimes, uh, is what you get hired for. So you know, not competition per se, but if you're not doing putting that work in someone else will be putting that work in. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, move up and, and yeah, you know, it's hard to, when you have off time, you know, don't view it as that it's, it's learning time. And there you go. (laughs) I love it. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's like the book learning time. That's a, that's a great real world experience learning, but 
uh, your off days are a different time. There you go. Off time is learning time. So yeah. this has been an amazing interview and another one of our interviews that we know for sure we have to circle back because we just don't <laughs> have even close to enough time well, I to, appreciate that. to get in what we want on this one. But thank you very much. I do have a request. Okay. That picture that got me to interview you in the first place. I'd love to post that on our website. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have at it. Okay, cool. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> As a producer, you know, yeah. I put my producing hat on. <laughs> I get permission first Go before for I it. do anything. I think my sister even took that picture. So, oh, awesome. You know, from the photographer, you got uh, whatever. And the subject, you got permission. You can post that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. This has been amazing. Beyond my expectations, but you know, perfect. Yes, I, I mean, see- I thank you for just being so easy to talk to and just, uh, yeah, making my podcast experience better. Very cool. We look forward Thanks, to working Katie. with you too. That was awesome. Thank you guys. I are- am going to be waiting on that car script. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're paying it forward right there. Yeah. Get to writing, Kevin. Get to writing, bro. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yes. That was a great one. Yes. Yes, sir. That was one for the ages. Katie is such a talent. We hope she does take us up on our offer to come and work in Miami at some point here in sunny South Florida. She seemed totally into that. Uh, But yeah, definitely going to be tracking her career. Thank you again, Katie, so much for doing this interview. And we wish you so much success in your in your trajectory of your career which is still very much on the rise yeah we're looking forward to working with you so kevin i gotta tell you we we forgot something very important speaking of bosses in the intro i have to talk about this one of my favorite shows of all time an hbo phenomenon the sopranos just dropped Speaking of bosses, just dropped the official trailer for The Many Saints of Newark, which is the prequel to The Sopranos. We see a very young James Gandolfini looking very uncanny like the dad because it's his actual son playing the role. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one. Fantastic. Yeah. Sopranos being one of the biggest episodic shows of all time. I mean, Definitely in the top 10 list of most critics. And it launched this whole era of HBO. And and prestige television, so to speak. Yes. And it was like must-see television. Remember, every Sunday night, you had to get you some Sopranos. Yeah, that's right. Order some gabagool and some pizza pie. You sit there, you say to cannoli, hey, what's going on with Tony? What's the matter with this guy? Yeah, so I'm excited to see what they're doing or what, what is happening before oh. Tony Soprano became Tony Soprano. Right. Uh, yeah. And um, I mean, when you watch that trailer, though, man, there's some good nuggets in there. That's going to be a really, really great story. Ray Liotta. You know, you oh, have Ray Liotta. in there. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Miami Connections, a UM grad, Mr. Ray Liotta. Oh, is he? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. Theater grad. 
Yep. Huh. That's uh yeah, he's he you look it up, he uh he went around the same time uh as another notable actor uh for a while who started as Rocky Echeverria but later became Stephen Bauer. Uh and they actually studied together at the University of Miami. I heard when I was there from a theater professor by the name of Ken Kurtz. I don't know if you know that name. Yeah, of course. Um, the salty old sea dog that used yeah. to hang out outside the ring, shirtless with a cigarette, just like carpentering away. Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to work 30 hours a day and go to class and get straight A's. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Good old Ken Kurtz. But he said that his entire time at the U, and by the time I got there, he'd already been there for like 40 years. Um, he may still be there now. Who knows? But he said the greatest theater production in the history of the ring was Ray Liotta and Stephen Bauer doing Of Mice and Men. Wow. Together at the U. Man. Brought the house down, sold out night after night. He just said it was electric. Felt like Broadway. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, with that being said, we need to get them both on the show. So. All right. Ray, if you're listening. Putting it out there. Sly, and we need to get Sly too because he went through mm-hmm. UM at one point. Oh, yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, I did want to talk about Versus, which is what I was going to get into, which was one of the biggest hits of this whole pandemic, you know, when we're in the middle of the pandemic. And Versus happens to survive on Instagram. Right. So, you know, you can see it on other portals, but it initially started on. The Verses, that's V-E-R-Z-U-Z, the Verses Instagram. And what it is essentially is battles between some of the biggest in hip hop and R&B. And oftentimes, you know, you're hearkening back to some of the iconic classics. They have to have a library, a depth of hits Hmm. to go head to head, to go Verses head to head. So... The last one was Bow Wow and Soldier Boy. So that one happened uh, last Friday. And man, it was hit after hit after hit. They bring on oftentimes guest stars. So Bow Wow was the one who really brought on more people. So he brought Jermaine Dupree. He brought the Brat. Um, so many wow. uh, different icons yeah from back in the day but also he has a huge library of hits it's like wow you know you don't even realize it but over time you know so he he really gave it soldier boy too he has a, a sorry kevin are you saying that this is kind of like the social media version of eminem's eight mile on instagram oh uh, well you know maybe not because it's not just rappers you know the one that they had um, a couple of weeks before that was. Can we do a podcast versus just you and me and just battle yeah. it out versus on the gram? Yeah. Can we try I, that one day? I, I think that we need to get to 100 first before we get there. Okay. But um, can we wrap the entire podcast? We can do it. I mean, I'm, about, I'm good. So I, I I'm throwing know. it out there. I want to versus okay. Kevin Sharpley, the co host, and do a, a rap battle hip-hop podcast <laughs> okay we, we can do that but um you know they also have r&b singers and so you know you should check it out they had over six hundred thousand viewers at one point wow. for this one with uh with bow, bow wow and soldier boy 
So, you know, all this type of content, we talked about the $75 million raise for digital content. It's not a battle of you know, episodic content or film content. It's a battle just for eyeballs. So yes, that's sir. one example. But theaters are raging back. I mean, we talked about some of the bigger hits, but F9, Fast and Furious 9, already made its budget. Mm-hmm. So it had a budget of $2 million and it just came out, and it's already, it already has a box office of $292 million. Wow. So, you know, the Fast and the Furious series are some of the most successful films in film history because wow. now, you know, they're already up to number nine um, and, you know, multi-billion dollar franchise. Yeah, so yeah, well. absolutely. And, you know, obviously after nine incarnations, you figure where else is there left for the, the F group to go? Apparently outer space was the answer <laughs> I heard. Talk about death defying. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and you know, you can kind of understand that the space race is really. That's what I'm gonna up. say. It was it was probably just a little nudge to Elon and to uh, our buddy Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Jeff Bezos and hey, hey Richard Branson, Virgin Galactic. Yes. They took that their the space race. They did the space race literally in this movie. Yeah, I, I heard. They did fine. Anything <laughs> to to you know take it where it needs to go. I love but it. this one didn't have the rock. So it was Vin Diesel. They did have another wrestler, John Cena. John Correct. Cena's career has been really, really taken off. He's a, he's a good actor. Yeah. I like. I, I yeah, like and he's been work. in movies for a while. I think well over a decade. Yeah. He's been acting and stuff. So yeah, he's definitely, uh, definitely no stranger to the silver screen himself. No. So you know, it's good to see that the box office has you know roared back. The Quiet Place has done well. Yeah. You know, so there are films that are doing well in the theaters. So the theaters are coming back. We know that AMC is not going to go out of business anytime soon. They're still killing it. Yeah, so, once, once the big blockbusters and the franchises get back into theater mode, I think you're going to see a resurgence for sure. Yeah, but the icons, the icons of cinema, they have a lot to say. Quentin Tarantino has a new book out. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of box office bonanza is actually based on his second highest grossing movie of all time, which came out in 2019, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is second only to Django Unchained, which made 426 million worldwide. Uh, He, I guess, during the pandemic, decided to write a novel based on the book, which is now a bestseller. Number one selling book on Amazon. So, Tarantino always knocking out multi, the hits. Multi-hyphenate. And I guess he is pre-launching his career as an author, potentially a speaker and podcaster, because he has promised that he's only going to make one more film as a director. Yeah. So he has to do something. No, he yeah. doesn't. He's done well enough, <laughs> but he doesn't seem like someone to just yeah. sit on his hands. Oh, no, no, no. And he's done. Look, he's done TV. He's he's I think he's directed episodes of like CSI. And he's also done like his share of commercials and stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's no stranger to experimenting with with similar fields. But, you know, seeing him, you know, put this book out uh, and, it, you know, I think he says that his greatest film artistically to date was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And yeah. you know, he's such a Hollywood guy that it would make sense that this homage to the the golden years of Hollywood would, would be his favorite. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a quote from the book, which is that Quentin Tarantino didn't meet his father until he's well in his thirties when wow. he was um, already famous. So right. he basically said he crawled out from under a rock to right. meet him 
when he was in his 30s when he was already famous. Wow. So, wow. We always talk it's, about the journey here at Screen Heat Miami and what shapes yes. people. Well, it sounds like that funny scene at the end of uh, Waterboy. Remember that? When the dad sure. comes out of the woodwork? Oh, right. <laughs> I can work in his daddy. <laughs> he gets knocked yeah. in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting life. But, you know, just, just a real artist. Tarantino's such a student of the game and he's done such iconic work. Whether, you know, you like his sensibilities or not, uh, he is definitely one of the icons of this industry and yeah. someone that has so legendary. much to say. Legend. Yeah, legendary. Yeah. But there's another game in town. The NCAA. Oh, yeah. Wow. They're making some new rules, apparently. New rules. Players can monetize based on their likeness, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a believer in a, with the type of numbers now right. that are being tossed around in terms of the, the college game. You know, the, you're having billion dollar, uh, you know, television contracts. So billions of dollars going back and forth within the television dynamic. You have coaches that are making as much as NFL coaches. And Mm -hmm. I would think not as much headache because they don't have to deal with, um, you know, a lot of the big egos and those things. And, you know, I think it's about time that the players at least, you know, shouldn't they get something for their likeness? So, you know, if you're a super famous player at one, and I'm going to mention, you know, someone from Florida, Jameis Winston, which which he had the biggest selling jersey in all of, at that time, you know, of all college history. But, you know, he doesn't. He he chose the wrong school, but that's. (laughs) <laughs> That's, we'll, we'll save that conversation for another once we get into college sports you know we got to bring it up yeah yeah but you know we, we definitely have to bring that up because you know i feel at what point do you give them i mean they're still up for the same types of injuries career ending and in injuries there in college as they are if they go to the pros not most of them, of course, are not going to go to the pros. And, um, you know, if we if we look at it that way, then, you know, you have to at least give yeah. them the likeness right. part of it. But there's another component, which is um, them getting money or them giving up, op- getting opportunities in terms of um compensation for endorsements and things that they weren't able to get compensation for. So these are unlimited perks. And this is Mm -hmm. the, this is a Supreme court ruling saying that they should be able to get these perks. Mm -hmm. And that's everything from internships to computers, tutoring chances to study abroad and Justice Kavanaugh, he wrote that traditions alone cannot justify the NCAA's decision to build a massive money-raising enterprise on the backs of student-athletes who are not fairly compensated. Nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not not paying their workers a fair market rate. Mm. And 
Under ordinary principles of antitrust law, it is not evident why college sports should be any different. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the idea being that they're going to go from student athletes to perhaps student employees. I mean, you're allowed to go on campus and get a part time job while you're studying. I know I did uh, and got paid by the university for doing a job while I was also studying. So why couldn't a similar principle be applied to the athletes? Yeah. And a lot of these athletes come from, you know, communities where. You know, they may they not have yeah. the, the, fi- the same financial uh, mm-hmm. system set up for them yeah, absolutely. that some of the other, you know, people coming yeah. to, to. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Not all of these are going to have the big NFL MLB paydays. So I think to get something to kind of kickstart whatever career path they take after college, especially if, if they are contributing so much financially to the bottom line of these major universities, I think is only fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to take it to a high note from there, which is, we said that we were going to talk about a lot of the different content platforms and that, you know, it's a battle for eyeballs. Now we spoke on Instagram. We, we spoke on theater streamers, Netflix, Kevin Hart. His fatherhood is a huge hit. Yes. Huge yes. hit. Number one for a couple of weeks. And it's a dramatic turn for Kevin Hart. So we got to give it up for Kevin Hart, but I'm also going to hit a genre that I love, which is sci-fi. And um, I don't know if you consider this sci-fi, but that genre of sci-fi, fantasy, dystopian, I include all of that in the same genre. Um, Army of Dead, which I really enjoyed, a Zack Snyder film, one of Netflix most watched in terms of hours so not necessarily just the product that is the most watched period but the in terms of the amount of time that it's watched the army of darkness has done really really well i'm a dave batista fan yeah so i gotta give it up for dave batista as a leading man on this one I heard an interview with him saying that for him, a big turn was when he did Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. Because when he did Blade Runner, it was more of a dramatic, a right. dramatic turn from him. And that helped in terms of his career and being able oh, yeah. to take other roles. So yeah. big one Beautiful. for Zack Snyder, big one for Dave Batista. Big one for Screen Heat Miami. Another yeah. great interview, another great podcast in the can, brother. Got to give it up. This is our 51st. We're not going to call all of them out. We had a great 50th one. Yeah. But definitely, you know, we're moving on and up towards yes. 100. We're going to we say. That, we want that centennial. <laughs> That's right. So got to keep coming. We got to thank our listeners. Thanks yes. for listening. Thank you, everyone. Don't forget MMFM is coming up. Yes. Register now. Early bird is only until July the 1st. So you want to get on it, on it. There you go. And we have a a live podcast battle at MMFM. There you go. The verses at, uh, at MMFM. And we have a lot of great interviews queued up for you. Oh yeah. So stay tuned. Stay tuned.
Until the next one, I'm JL Martinez with Kevin Sharpley. This is Screen Heat Miami. And until the next time, boom, Dolly. Woo!